Are you tired of not paying for your favorite product? Patreon.com slash RoastMortemCast. What's a Patreon, you say? It's a website where fans can support their favorite content creators. <laughs> Sounds like a deal. 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 This is only if you got the money. We got koozies. We got custom obituaries. We got stickers. We have movie commentaries that you download and watch with said movie. It's like you have friends in the room. What if I don't like history? You're wrong. You love history. How much money can I give? Anything will help. We like doing the show. We're going to do it anyway. Mike's losing us money at every corner. Roast Mortemcast is here to help you take a load off that wallet. It's all been arranged just for us to get your money. I'm telling you that you need to give money to Roast Mortem Podcast so we can do it even better. Are you tired of exploiting these four men? Or you could even sponsor. You got a stupid-ass business? I'd love to talk about your business. Point to point. I'm too busy to read. Where can I find this podcast? So call today at patreon.com slash roastmortemcast. That's R-O-A-S-T-M-O-R-T-E-M-C-A-S-T at patreon.com slash roastmortemcast. Yeah, if you want to buy me a beer, that's cool too, you know. I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Oh, God! Oh, Jesus Christ! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rose Corner Podcast. My name is Tom, and I just bought a megaphone! Uh, my hands are on the hood. Please don't make me assume the position for too long. My knees are terrible. I'm Travis. I don't know if they picked up any of that, Tom. I'm Cody. What do you mean, Cody? Hold on, Mike, you go now. You talk now. You're the engineer. Wait, what I have to say? Introduce yourself. Oh, I'm Mike. My ears are kind of blown out. <laughs> I wonder why. I'm a good friend. Hi. Uh, I'll, I'll huh? stop. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll stop using it. <laughs> Wait, Officer Tom, what are cool. we doing tonight? Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I just I got a megaphone, so I want to show it off. It's a good megaphone. I like it. Yeah, it's good times. Uh, megaphone is like a flashlight of sound. How so? Well, if you want the density of volume to be different, and you want to get hard and firm, your ears, your eardrums get hard and firm from using them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think that's called that's how sound works. Damage, but okay. Yeah, tinnitus is that the one? Tinnitus? Yeah, tinnitus, the sexual tinnitus. Yeah, Ooh. sexual tinnitus. Tinnitus. I got a ringing in my dick. Oh yeah. What's going on, everybody? Uh, you know, just uh, hanging out, touching things. I had yeah. ice cream this week. It was rolled, <laughs> rolled, rolled oh, ice cream. That sounds disgusting. Those are cigarettes, Travis. <laughs> yeah, no. Someone was just like, I had, I had this cold surface that threw shit on it and they roll it and I ate it. Like a bur- burrito ice cream? Yeah, kind of. It was like Cold Stone Creamery Burrito. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Mmm. Yum. Mm. Nice. What about you, Cody? You making ice cream on Mount Kalealea Ha 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 Racist, no. Um, <laughs> I got my first uh, haircut on this uh, side of the planet, aka my first Hawaiian haircut. Uh, Looks good. Yeah. Little, little, little different from New York haircuts. 
I got I got to say I noticed like some cultural differences. New York, they just like fucking hit you up, do you dirty real quick, and like kick you out after taking like twenty bucks from you. But like this guy like made sure to like spend a fucking hour with me and charged me like twice as much. And the one thing that I really hate about it is, uh, without asking, he fucking gooped me. And I hate that. Uh, I absolutely fucking hate that. Why? You gotta, Mike, you need permission to yeah, put true. goo in a man's hair. You, you uh, need to understand that, mm, right? Maybe not. I can't leave the house without goo in my hair. I, I know, I know, but, like, you, you, gotta, you gotta at least give me a warning. If not, like, get my consent... Just be like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pomade your fucking shit up real quick, bro. And like, I'd be like, oh, okay, or no. But he, he, he surprised gooped my head, and I was not, not feeling it afterwards. Consensual goop. Oh. I always feel weird when I'm with a barber, and they put that, like, that hot shaving cream on your back of your neck, and then shave your, your neck hair. I love that. It's pretty. It's so unexpected, but it's fucking awesome. Did that happen to me at a sleepover one time? <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of sleepover? Who, who I don't know, was I was just it? sleeping, and then something warm like was on the back of my neck, <laughs> like sticky. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah, I stayed over at John Henry's one night. <laughs> I remember that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Tom, what like, about you? Well, you know, I, I've been drinking a lot this week. For fun, nice. for fun. Not alone, but I'm, I'm out there. I'm having a good time. Friday night, I drank so much that my liver had... Uh, had reached expert level. So when I went to drink on Saturday mm. night, I couldn't feel anything. Oh, one of those. So, yeah, oh, I was drinking. I was like eight beers deep. And I'm like, I could, I'm going to have to drive. So I did drive. So I went, um, I went and I, I picked up some uh, PCP and I tried that for the first time because I need to get off on something. And uh, I got to say, it's pretty wild stuff. I uh, killed a homeless man. Or I think he was homeless. He was asking for the time. Tom, I'm not. I'm, I don't believe you. Your life is not like a POD song. <laughs> well, you know what have I left, and what happened? You're an angel dust boy. Are you wearing dusters, and you're putting powder up your nose? Well, I mean, look, we have to leave this up to the audience. Do you believe me? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm. But uh, pretty sure I killed a man last night. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, how was your week? <laughs> Uh, that was alright. I was the grill master yesterday at uh, my girlfriend's like little shindig. That was pretty cool. I never really done that before. Oh yeah, what'd you make? Uh, burgers yeah. and hot dogs. I, I mean, you gotta start somewhere, good, man. Yeah, good first, simple stuff. First, were, were they cooked all the way through, or did people leave with holding their stomachs? No, I mean one kid wanted his really raw. I was kind of grossed out by that. But I never used a charcoal grill before, so my flame was kind of weak, and it was like a shitty one from Target. No, so you just gotta like throw that off. That was a slow burn. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, it was that's gourmet. what all dads do. Like so. gourmet slow cook, no yeah. cheese, no ketchup, just, just raw plain burger. burgers on buns. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I was there. Yeah, I would have killed you someone play without it. PCP. <laughs> you gotta play that off as like a burger purist move. Like, no, no condiments tonight. Just have the burger, the hamburger. Wait, Tom, um, what did you do when you were on PCP? No. And who died this week? What I, what I did, I took off my shirt and then smoked DMT. And now cool. I'm starting another podcast where I'm going to ask people things. Well, did someone else die on PCP that we're going to talk about today? Oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> Not PCP, but 
worth talking about. Tonight we're going to roast a one hot guitar wiener named Jimi Hendrix. I know that boy. Wait. I love Jimi Hendrix. The same Jim Hendrix that is a guy that can play guitar backwards and light it on fire? Yeah, that's the one. So everyone knows who Jimi Hendrix is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cody, stop lying. You don't know who Jimi Hendrix is. I was I was going to say my racist brain head gets him confused with Prince all the time for some reason. <laughs> Oh yeah! Nothing. No, they don't even sound similar. But like, I, I guess they, <laughs> they both just play have, guitars. Like, yeah, they have guitars, and they're like eccentric type people, I guess. And they like purple. If you don't know who Jimi Hendrix is, or if you want a quick summary, he's the only guy your flaming straight fifty-five-year-old Uncle Mark wants to have sex with. He's the only guy that Uncle Mark would let finger his asshole with those long Pizza Hut breadstick fingers just so he could feel the dexterity of those shredding mozzarella dingers. Fingers so high out of the oven that you can hear strings sizzle as he's playing The Wind Cries Mary. Only Mary is your nostalgic Uncle Mark talking about how one man came and changed the world by ripping Voodoo Child with the Dunlop Wah pedal. The same one he picked up by outputting some punk-ass bitch 14-year-old on eBay that probably doesn't know anything about real music anyway. (laughs) Well, I'm erect now. Jimi Hendrix swooned the land of rock and roll with his fleshy, Mm. soupy guitar licks. And he changed a whole generation of guitar players. He got groovy. He got Aren't hippies like peaceful? Uh, he's yeah, he's you know honestly, I wouldn't call Jimi Hendrix a hippie after doing my research. He was really embraced by the hippies. At at the end of the hippie movement, they did embrace him, but he really wasn't uh, aligned with any political philosophy whatsoever he was more of a bum that likes scarves okay i see yeah there's that that category of homeless i gotcha exactly so um just as a heads up this is going to be a little bit of a different episode because during my research of Jimi hendrix uh his parents are extreme scumbags ah so we're gonna talk about three people oh okay shit yeah so trifecta let's make this happen we're going way back like i said i'm starting this out a little further back because Jimi hendrix's whole goddamn family was a -a cock-a-hoop train wreck Jimi hendrix comes from an extremely diverse background that puts burger king kids to shame (laughs) cherokee on both sides of the family a little white slave owner in the mix and of course african-american and where's the the handicapped kid don't forget wheels Well, Don't forget wheels. I have some handicap in here for you. Don't worry about Ooh. it. Ooh. All covered. All right. <laughs> we are not excluding anyone this episode. My interest is peaked. I feel like we're going to get picked up by Universal or some other huge corporation right now because we're hitting all the demographics. Hashtag Jimmy is bad. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Hashtag beer and racial slurs. His father, James Allen Hendricks, or... Al was a six-fingered Canadian who moved to Seattle to work in 1941. There, he Whoa. met a lovely 16-year-old named Lucille Jeter. He oh, was 22 Jeter. at the time. Yeah. Did you say six-fingered, sir? Yes, he had six fingers. Six fingers on a hand or all together is my question. Uh, he had an extra pinky. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that Dude, at, yeah. at, at birth, they tried to tie it off and see if it Wait, would Wait, two extra off. pinkies or one? Is he, it's is one he on weird? each How side. weird is he? Okay. If you didn't know. know this, that um, our ancestors, the Neanderthals, or 
uh, as others would like to call them, total jerks. They actually had six fingers. No way. Yeah. We had six fingers. Yeah. Like, Dude, I think that the six, yeah. the six fingers made Miss Jeter very happy, and that's how babies are born. Well, look up a Neanderthal skeleton, and you'll see that oh, wow. there are six fingers. Now, there there was like a little bone in the finger, and there was just a touch of nail. Like Is a it like ba- the like dew claw? I mean, like a, a baby dog? toenail, like on the edge of the uh, finger. It was like a, like a dew yeah. claw. Yeah. yeah like, Mike, Mike, just so you know, like humankind is like always losing like the, the, the finger on the outside that's why it's, your pinky's the smallest one so like your great great grandchildren might only have four fingers dude we're gonna turn into ninja turtles <laughs> the fuck that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what you're fingers. looking forward to travis that will be eating pe- it makes more sense for eating pizza <sighs> no. uh yeah <laughs> lucille and al dated for a while and al showed Lucille, all of his sick dance moves. He was known around town as a great dancer. Popping and locking. Oh. He was short, stocky, really strong, but just could move around. You know, he had a mustache that just said everything for him. So he just moved with his body. His hips didn't lie. Dancing yeah. Al. Yeah, his uh, Lucille's parents didn't really think much of this. Uh, they just thought she was getting into a little teenage mischief and they weren't going to date. Um, so they weren't too worried about it. But then Lucille got pregnant, so they had to worry about it. <laughs> Teenage mischief. Yeah, then he t- danced in a weird position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was doing the Macarena a little too close. Yeah, the yeah. horizontal mambo. Yeah, well, one of those dance positions you need six fingers for. <laughs> they were dancing Whoa. naked. Ooh. There, there's, a, there's a family in Brazil. There's 14 people with six fingers that are totally yeah. dexterous. That's cool. Yeah. Weirdos. Uh, so then took place a beautiful, beautiful shotgun wedding, and everyone was happy, but Al... But then three days later, Uncle Sam saved him by drafting him to fight for our freedoms in World War II. Oh, thank you, Sam. <laughs> Good old man in a top hat coming to the rescue. What, you got baby? You could go fight in World War II. <laughs> Just imagining Travis, like, soliciting door-to-door and Uncle Sam get up. Like, you got baby? Go here. You got here. baby? You want to go fight the enemies or me? Go over there. I like how you didn't know the enemies off the top of your head. <laughs> do you also hate the idea of chopsticks? Let's do this. <laughs> uh, does Bratwurst make you furious? Just hand him a grenade after the handshake. <laughs> All right. So uh, before the <clears throat> before the expecting mother, Lucille, gave birth to little Jimmy, she would write Al constantly. Writing sweet yet longing letters to her five foot eight handsome military hunk. But mm. oddly enough, when Johnny Allen Hendricks popped out of the oven, November twenty seventh, nineteen forty two, the letters had stopped coming as often. Um, Johnny is Jimmy, and I'm hmm. going to clear that up later. Al had requested furlough to witness the birth of his son, but his commanding officers denied him so hard they threw him in the stockade for two months in fear of him oh. going AWOL. Wait, was 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 uh, Al uh, African American or was he white? Because like oh. I know they had different regiments in World War because we were a racist fucking country. Like white people couldn't fight with black people. And oh uh, yeah, he was he was black. So I, I was just gonna say that I'm pretty sure those particular officers who threw him in the brig were just being racist pricks because uh-huh. he was stationed on the East Coast and childbirth furloughs were fairly standard military practice for people who remained on U.S. soil. Okay. Yeah. So I think they were just fucking with this guy. That sucks. So I do feel bad for him. But Al didn't get to see his kid for three years. Oh, wow. 
He also Ooh. hadn't mer- heard much from his wife, Lucille. She had become somewhat adventurously dangerous in regards to using her vagina. Oh. Ooh. Lucille had not been receiving the wartime money that Al was supposed to be sending over there. Legend has it, she had named her child after the actual father, named Johnny Page. In the few letters she did send to Al, she would not say the kid's name as to not rub it in. She and everyone else in the family called the kid Buster as a nickname. Oh, no. Buster, what it is right now. Aha, aha, what it is right now. And also, was that Jimmy Page that was banging her? Uh, no, it's Johnny Page. Jimmy uh, Page was, was an Englishman who was Jimmy Page was like banging. three, right? Jimmy Page, at this point, yeah, Jimmy Page would also be about three. Um, Thank you. He's so, a very fertile uh, three-year-old. <laughs> Al did actually spend some time over in, uh, not in Japan, but, you know, in the, in the area. Not Iwo Jima or anything. I, I'm not exactly sure where he was stationed, but he was on a boat out there or something. Uh, in 1945, by the time Al returned to Seattle to meet his baby boy for the first time, he and Lucille had already began divorce proceedings. Uh. Lucille had left Buster with some friends, the champs, for what was supposed to be a few days, but turned into a few months. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Al ended up finding his son with the champs in California, who were taking pretty good care of him. They had proposed the idea that they adopt Buster, which wasn't a bad idea, as Al was a fucking mess, and Lucille was running around, spreading her vagina like a goddamn hulu. Oh. Just, you know, wave around your head just like a helicopter, as they say in the music land. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, if it if it if it dips into the toilet water, just throw it over your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ew! Gross. If only. Well, Al's pride gets the best of him, and he decided that he needed to keep his son. So he brought him back to Seattle to live in a housing project with Lucille's sister, Dolores. A short time after, Lucille showed up and was like, hey, guess who's back? And Al was like pissed at her, but then he was like, I'm also really hard looking at you. So they decided to stay married. Is that how it went? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly what happened. I had a, uh, what was it? Room Room of Mirrors was the, the biography I read for this oh. one. And my goodness, this guy got in. Sometimes you got to just throw your vagina around town and be like, guess what? Baby daddy's the guy. Mm-hmm. That's just, uh, you know, sometimes you got to air it out. You got to air out my dick sometimes. got to air out your vagina. And helicoptering achieves that. All yeah. types of flesh need to be aired out every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you keep a Band-Aid over something, over a cut, it will fester. Bingo. Yes. So got to change the bandage. The two of these uh, idiots had a fantastic marriage. Uh, the two went out and got smashed almost every night while leaving Buster home with Dolores, who would work during the day. And then watch all the kids at night. I think she had a couple of her own. She didn't seem to mind baby babysitting. Eventually, the partying got a little crazy. Lucille would drink and get overly emotional, and Al would start punching shit like Lucille. <laughs> oh, Kyle! <laughs> oh, not like a Kyle. Wait, wait, no. That's if Lucille was drywall. Yeah. Which I'm assuming she was not made out of drywall. No. That, that um, would be correct. She was Cherokee and <laughs> African-American. Not drywall. When Al... Got a real job at a slaughterhouse, he moved the family into a hotel and took Buster to Town Hall to uncuck himself by changing his legal name from Johnny to James. Nice. All right. And then That's... he bought him a giant peach. <laughs> kind of. And then, then a caterpillar told him to go do shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Raul yeah. Dahl. This is reality, Travis. Yeah, it's Raul Hendricks, dude. I like the verb uncucking. You just gotta. You know, if you're cucked, the only way out is uncucking. There's no yeah. sidestepping that one. 
Uh, oh my god. Al got a job as a merchant marine and left to work in Japan to find out that a few weeks after leaving, Lucille had been evicted from the hotel for being there with another man. When Al got home, he took Lucille back. Thus began the cycle of top-notch cuckoldry. Oh, what a sucker. Oh, come on. Lucille would continuously run around behind Al's back, and he would take her back after being caught no matter what. Oh, so he was into it. He wasn't into it. He beat the shit out of her. I don't know, Mike. He would beat... Mm, Maybe they were both... Maybe he was... Yeah, he was like, all right. Well, I mean, like... You do it, I get to get one slap in. It's just not working, you know? It just takes a little <laughs> bit of honesty. Just the, the slightest just bit. Slide. Like, this is not going to work between us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like that... Okay, so if I asked my partner, like, hey, uh, can you go out and buy me some bologna? And they came back with Oscar Mayer. Final straw. <laughs> We're done. We understand. This isn't going anywhere! You don't want to be cucked by a giant hot dog-shaped vehicle. That's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Who the fuck is Oscar? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so this was going on for years. But he was also the kind of guy who didn't want to go out after work. So he would tell her to go out by herself when she wanted to party. And when she uh-huh. got home, he'd be sitting on the front porch super mad about who the fuck knows what. Yeah, he'd usually beat her up when she got home, uh, at least once a week. Nice little shine or two. And Jimmy was uh-huh. kind of in the closet the whole time. He would just hang out in the closet and be crying. Because he, yeah, he's he's the victim of a awful uh, domestic situation. That sounds terrible. It's like Harry Potter living in the closet. No, that's not like Harry Potter. There's no Dobie. <laughs> There's no Dobie. There's no Harry Potter. Uh, you know, <laughs> come on. Harry Potter was a yeah, magic those boy. Those only characters you can remember. His bedroom was in a closet. Okay, dude. In the closet. All right, but Harry Potter's Muggle, Muggle's family, Mongrel family, <laughs> didn't punch him in the It wasn't the Mongrels. So, uh, yeah, oh once Lucille had moved out completely and lived in a hotel with a Filipino man named Frank for a month, but then Al took her back again. <laughs> the family moved into an apartment so small. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. I don't know either. Filipino, Filipino. man named Frank. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like... I loved how specific this author got. But um, not specific enough to drop a last name. He's just the no, Filipino yeah, just the guy, Filipino Frank. man named Frank. Got it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they moved into an actual apartment this time, and it was really small. So they, instead of like, you know, they were like, oh, Jimmy's always crying in the closet. They just made his bedroom the closet. Um, so that's... All right. Now it's Harry Potter. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Wasn't under the stairs. Remember how Jimmy was named Johnny... Like yeah. I just brought up yes. before. So Johnny Page was a wild pimp. He got out of jail around 1949. He was dead bent on hoeing Lucille out in Kansas City. One night, while Lucille, Al, Dolores, and some others were leaving a theater, Johnny Page showed up like a member of the Foot Clan and grabbed Lucille in an attempt to kidnap her. Even though Al was a total cuck, he was not the kind of cuck you want to fuck with. Al clocked Jimmy one real nice in the kisser and continued to pummel him. Johnny Johnny was rarely heard from again. He's probably dead now, so we got that going for us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so Jimmy was dealing with a, a terrible environment for most of his early life. In fact, all of his early life. Uh, he'd either been hiding in the closet while his parents were fighting or partying. Or he'd leave the house entirely and go to his Aunt Dolores' apartment. She was very motherly to him, and she was on the other side of the... Excuse me, the project. Uh, he barely talked at this point, and he had developed quite a stutter. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, this is a really sad episode, Tom. Thanks for bringing yeah. this in. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is why I said we, we're going to talk about Al and Lucille for a while so we can make fun of something. We're not making fun of Jimmy right now. That'll happen no. later when he grows up and his decisions become his own. <laughs> okay. In 1947, he was given his first instrument, a harmonica. But like most kids, that didn't last long at all. He was one of those kids with an imaginary friend that he took very, very seriously. Uh, the imaginary friend was named Sessa. Lucille and, Lucille and Al had another kid, Leon. That was 1947, so Leon, we got another kid. And by multiple accounts, Leon was the favorite child, probably because Al got to be involved with that one. Mm. Ah. Leon was so much more professional than Jim. Yeah, well, he got to make him, and he got to see the delivery. Didn't have Maury back then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, a couple years later, the two had another kid, Joe. But Al claims to have nothing to do with that one. This poor kid had it really bad. This is the other Burger King kid. He okay. had a cleft palate, club foot, and his legs had a very different lengths going on, and it was super noticeable. Uh, he also ah. had a really strange genetic oddity, which was he had two rows of teeth. What? That's so cool. No! Yeah. Dude, he's Shark Boy? Yeah. It probably sucks, but it, was, it looks probably cool. <laughs> Dude, he, I mean, got he got two grills. A lot of toothpaste. Two sets of grills? A lot of yeah. toothpaste. Wow, these are good. <laughs> Keep them coming. This poor guy. You, you're all awful people. <laughs> no, because uh, I want like, to. I'm jelly of that no, part. No, you don't. You don't want yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. good. You want them more. <laughs> Dude, so think about how much more efficient he is at eating steaks. All right. So we have extra pinky and extra jawline people in this episode already? What does it even look like? I don't know. I didn't Google that one because I was extra deep in the teeth. trenches of reading. Um, the couple fought over who was responsible for the defect, and the family <laughs> fell into more turmoil. Jimmy, Leon, and Joe were all suffering. They were all starving all the time. Oh, no. um, Al had refused to pay for any of Joe's much-needed operation expenses, even though the state had agreed to pay for most of it if he just shelled out 5%. Oh, wow. But Good Al is a cheap prick. Al sent the kids to his mom's <sighs> place in Vancouver, and then a year later, the parents were feeling good about their relationship, so the kids were sent back. Oh. They had another kid named Kathy, who was born blind oh. and prematurely. This is Jeez. alcohol shit. Okay, these people are makes sense. drinking nonstop. Yeah, and probably smoking like out of their vaginas while pregnant. Yeah, no one do that. So the rest of the family history was a mess. They ended up giving up Joe to the state because they couldn't oh. supply for him, which is probably a better move for Joe, but Sorry, it sucks Joe, to be in go. the foster system just because your parents are fucking assholes. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy and Leon were shifted around with different living situations, but every time they would always end up back with Al, they would get starved and beaten. Uh, honestly, Al and Lucille, uh, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, yeah these people are Christ. terrible. Yeah, bad parents. Jimmy was an introvert at this point. Overall, he was a nice kid. He didn't get Wait, into a lot of why? trouble. What's Wait, up? did he, was, you said he was an innie or an outie? This is an important fact. Innie. Innie, okay. Yeah, it was okay. an innie. But it's just like, I wonder why he's a fucking innie. Um, yeah, he didn't really get into any trouble. Uh, he didn't want to attract attention. He was conscious enough of what was going on, especially after his, uh, his brother Joe had been taken away. He thought that if he was in trouble, then he would be taken away too. And it was more for being around Leon. And he still felt really uh, attached to Lucille at this point. Even though she was running around doing crazy stuff every now and then, she'd make pancakes. And whenever your parent oh. makes pancakes, you love them. Yes, his mom. And you, you forget hard, everything. Yeah. yeah. Has Has any of you guys ever had someone uh, eat pancake batter out of your innie? Negative. Oh. 
Okay. I've just eaten like straight up check. pancake batter before, but never out of an any. Well, I mean, these are facts. We're trying to, we're building a world here, right, Tom? This is painting the picture, building the world. Exactly. Jimmy was never the athletic type. Uh, his childhood friends remember he cried a lot. And I get I get <laughs> no, that. I, I, too. I fucking get it. You, yeah. you're, you have the worst yeah, parents in the fucking world. Yeah, we all we all cried, you know, in our childhood, but he had it particularly rough. But it's just also like try not to be the guy who's remembered as the guy that cried too much. Yeah, if you're <laughs> crying a lot, go beat up another kid. So Do they're crying a lot. Wall. Even the playing field. If you cry a lot and then someone tries to fight you, you could just drown them. In in salty, <laughs> salty tears. Yeah, it's pretty much how it works, dude. I know. <laughs> One Thank time you. I was in the bathroom, tried to bully me. Let me just cry on you, dude. And now that kid's dead. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. You ever hear of waterboarding with tears? Both Come me on. and Travis have <laughs> confessed to killing people tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for stealing my steam, Travis. All right. So around 1955, Jimmy was living in a house that Al had taken out a mortgage to pay for, but he couldn't pay for it. Um, there was no power, so Jimmy took to roaming the streets a lot. His interest in music had started to develop. He'd walk around the streets of Seattle, and if he heard a band playing or practicing in someone's house, he would knock on the door and be like, hey, let me in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, extremely safe behavior. Different yeah. times. So to make up for their lack of income, uh, Al took in boarders in his shitty house. One of the, oh, board- no. one of the boarders was named Ernestine. And she bought a whole bunch of blues albums with her and treated Jimmy very well, a bit motherly. This was part of Jimmy's inspiration. So between knocking on doors to get into random bands playing and then hearing all these blues albums and having someone to talk to about them, that was good. And then every now and then she would give him money to go buy a record. Oh, a 45. Nice. Yeah. Very kind person. What did he he get? Smash Mouth or... uh... Well, he got the first one because it's you know this is 1955, so okay, he got cool. the might as well be walking on the sun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, that's a great intro nice. to music. If you had I to like pick that one. a song, that's it. So Jimmy had become obsessed with the idea of playing guitar by the age of 13, but since he didn't have one and Al refused to do anything good for anybody, Jimmy ended up carrying around a broom uh, all over the place. <laughs> He'd broom guitar all the time. He'd just be brooming. Uh, okay. A social worker had actually witnessed Jimmy holding a broom and playing air guitar in the wild and confronted Al and told him if he didn't buy Jimmy an instrument, he'd probably damage his psyche. But, of course, Al hmm. refused because Al's a piece of shit. Uh, um, yeah. So he's like air guitar and shit. He's like... Yeah, he's like full-time air guitaring. Well, broom guitaring. I mean, have you guys yeah. seen the air guitar champions or whatever? They have like oh, it's actual... Bill no. They have actual tournaments for air guitar. I hate it. Really? Wow. You know what it is? Because I don't like fun that much anymore. Uh, so yeah. when I okay. see that, I go, you gross. You know who won one of those? Was our, our guest from the Darwin episode, James. Really? James won an air guitar Yeah, he won like a bottle of champagne cool. doing an air guitar competition. I never said I liked everything about all of my friends. <laughs> Was it an actual bottle of champagne, or were they like they gave him nothing? It was like, here, it's an air bottle. <laughs> air bottle. <laughs> Breaking rights, bro. Dude, I'm so air drunk. <laughs> so when the bank foreclosed on Al's house, they moved into a boarding house across town. There, there was some paralegic kid 
paraplegic kid who played guitar with one string on it. Jimmy asked to buy it from him when uh, the kid was no longer interested, and the kid's mom said, sure, $5. Okay. Ernestine, the same boarder who showed him all the blues records, bought it for him. Oh, it's nice okay. of her. Uh, yeah, fucking hell. Wait, is are, are, is is Seattle in the 1950s like Dickensian London? <laughs> like that's what it fucking sounds like. It had a lot of really poor people, but it was very diverse, and I'm sure there was racism, but it was pretty easygoing. A uh, big old melting pot over there. Hell yeah, Pacific Northwest. What up? Woot woot. Sure, sure, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Um, in 1958, Lucille had contracted hepatitis C and uh. had cirrhosis of the liver. One evening, she was found in an alley behind a bar with a ruptured spleen. Ow. Ah. She was rushed to the hospital, but due to a unnatural influx in stabbings that night, she received no attention until it was too late, and she died. Wow. Mm. Yep. Fuck everything. Dude, fucking spleen. Oh. What a party pooper. Doesn't do anything but kill us. By the way, if you have uh, hepatitis C or cirrhosis of the liver, that doesn't do that to your spleen. So most likely she was hit. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, you think someone stabbed her there? I not stabbed, but like like hit hit her in the gut, like uh, really hard. Spleen shot. Mm. Mm -hmm. So Al didn't let Jimmy and Leon attend their mother's funeral. Why, Why the not? fuck not? What a piece of shit. He's a garbage man. Jimmy forever hated his dad for this one. Nothing against garbage men. Very important. One of the most important roles in our society. The metaphorical True. garbage men, not the unionized ones. Okay, cool. Just making it clear. Yeah. After his mother's death, Jimmy adopted a lifestyle devoid of plans. He was aloof. Anytime mm. something bad would happen, he would often just leave the room. He wanted to live entirely within the moment, and anything that bothered him, he would just drop. Okay, it's not a bad I guess that works. No, it's a pretty bad way to live, because you just never deal with your problems. How old is he right now? 13. 13, okay. Wow, that's kind of very uh, existential way of living at 13. <laughs> yeah. So he has this guitar, that's the only thing he really cares about. He managed to get it restrung, re uh, re and he's making weird noises on it. Like I said, after the whole thing with his mom, he becomes more drift. His grades also suck. Uh, which I'm not surprised. Uh, his no. his guitar playing also stopped for a while, but that was fixed pretty quickly because the musicians in the area were mostly hobbyists. No one was really like competing in the music scene there, so there was this open idea of just like sharing licks and teaching each other stuff, uh, as opposed to like a, a lot of bands who are trying to do it professionally. They don't trade any trade secrets. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, Tom, you're coming from a music background here. You have a music, uh, one of the other shows you do is a music show. When yeah, you say yeah. licks, are they licking each other's eyeballs or no. something? No. Why are, you <laughs> are they licking stop. each other's anuses? Well, I can't say that isn't the case. Okay. I'm just, make, but... I'm just making it clear. What are we talking about here? I'm talking Those are like the only two guitar. body parts worth licking, Travis. Eyeballs and anuses. Eyeballs and anuses. I, I would... I can think of one more to put yeah, in there. Yeah, one but, more. Uh, one mm, more, too. This is, mm, this, is, this is an educational podcast, yeah, so I'm there, not going to bring it up. There's one more that's on 50% of the population. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Jimmy uh, stopped going to school and just stayed out and was learning a whole bunch about his guitar. Ernestine finally bugged the shit out of Al to buy Jimmy a real guitar. Al nice. caved eventually and bought Jimmy a white Supro Ozark guitar. 
And he also bought a saxophone for himself. Oh, cool. And this was obviously this was on credit. So Al ended up returning the sax shortly after. If you didn't know, Jimmy played lefty on righty guitars his whole life. So he had to restring every guitar he got. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt, but whatever. Hmm. Jimmy ends up playing with a group of older boys. Um, he didn't have an amp at this point, so he'd have to borrow them. Uh, so the boys put together a set, and they had Jimmy playing in the band, and their first show was in a synagogue. Oh. Now, back then, it wasn't like today where you had band slot times, what time are they going on, and then there's 20 minutes or right, a half right, hour, right. and then the next band. It was usually one band did the whole thing, and they would play two like 45-minute, maybe one-hour sets, and they would take a, an intermission bit. Jimmy's first gig, he goes fucking crazy because he loves the attention. They take intermission, and they fire Jimmy on the spot. Why? What? And then they did the, the the second half of the set without Jimmy. Why? That is, that's rough. Because he was too flashy. And they were jealous or something like that? This is like, these people are inspired by R&B, jazz. Yeah. So it was, it was more tame. Like yeah. everyone's, you know, bopping their heads, smiling, mm. doing the thing. And Jimmy was going nuts. He's dancing around. He's playing like notes that aren't really supposed to be played just to kind of show off. I once went to a, in high school, I went to a techno show that was in a synagogue. That was one of the weirdest events I've okay. ever attended. <laughs> How were the acoustics? I don't know. There was a lot of light sticks and uh, uh, fucking Star Davids. And, uh, it was weird. Was the priest wow. there? Or not the priest, the... Uh, a rabbit? The, the, hi, the rabbi. Rabbit? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. It sounds a little like, circumcised in there. They're just these weird Jewish, um, like, rave kids. It's strange. Hmm. Oh. Great. It was like a J-date. J-date. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but surely enough, Jimmy was a natural talent, and he was a paid guitarist, uh, session guitarist within the year, making money playing standards and dance halls with various groups. His first main band that he started with someone else was called the Velvetones, but they had too cool. many members. They ended up having like seven people in the band. All of them were playing guitar, so it just didn't work out. Al was mad that he had bought the guitar for Jimmy because he felt that Jimmy had left his schooling in the dust to, you know, shred. Later on, Al claimed to be very supportive of Jimmy's career, but that wasn't true at all. He was resentful by all other accounts. He was probably just supportive of the money. Mm -hmm. he, he was. I'll get into that later. Wow. Uh, Jimmy would leave his guitar at his friend's house or the clubs he was playing at so Al wouldn't return his guitar. Once, Jimmy left his guitar at a club he was working at and the next day found the guitar stolen. When Al found out, he beat Jimmy pretty bad. He then joined a band called The Rocking Kings, which did decent with their paid gigs, borrowing guitars and stuff because he didn't have okay. his, his own money. But that, that, that ended pretty quickly as uh, Jimmy was like, hey, uh, I'm going to go join the army because... Their uh, same money is good. He was in the military, and I didn't know that. Yeah. He, wow. Okay. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Um, your He's a veteran, Star Spangled Banner. He joined oh, up. Oh, say nice. can you, Jim, join the army, boy child? That is my song. You are the guitar. My throat is the guitar. <laughs> no, no, that's not how that works. Yeah, I went into the guitar center to buy something today. I was like, guess what, guys? My throat is my guitar. They're like, that's pretty sick, dude. Leave. Can I have a beer, Mike? <laughs> Tom, am I just making you drink? Yeah. 
This is obnoxious. <laughs> I hate him. Uh -huh. I hate every fucking guitar. So Jimmy joins the army, begins basic training in May 1961, and he asked to be in an airborne infantry because it paid more. Okay. During his prime as a rock star, he claimed that he hated the military because it was all full of squares. But letters to his friends and family at the time showed how much he actually liked it. Weird. Mm. It's not cool to be square. No. You know? no. Or was he in Vietnam? It was pre-Vietnam. Uh -huh. Jimmy did eventually get sick of being in the army and lied about being gay to try to get kicked out. Oh, wow. <laughs> how ahead of his time. It actually worked. And Do you know how they, they, do you know how they were like, they, they figured that out in the army back then? They're like, boy, you want discharge? Discharge this. <laughs> he ejaculated and left. No, you, then you have to. Then they give you an army regulated. It, it's very like it's kind of like a food ration, but it's like a dildo. So there's nothing fun about it. It's all a government dildo. Yeah, government okay. dildo, and you have to mm. make it discharge in order to get discharged. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Travis. Yeah, well, I'm just letting you know a little bit of the army history. Go to West Thank Point. You can go to West Point. Go to their archives. That's what they'll it'll tell you. That's exactly what they'll tell me. Yeah. All right. So it worked, and he got booted out, but later he told people he was injured when he got booted. Upon discharge, he blew $400 immediately. Uh, unable to get back to Seattle, he stuck around California playing weekend gigs and jerking off on the beach, I guess. Whatever people do in California. There you go. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. That's why the taxes are so high. Yeah. You got to clean that sand. <laughs> Every sand is all sticky. Dude. Exactly. I mean, do you think you ever you ever seen was that that Gold Beach shit? Gold Beach, what was it? Where what? Hulk Hogan was? Gold Beach, Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, I've never been. On, I've never been to their beach. Uh, you, it's basically all jizz. Basically, I mean, that's why, that's, that's why that's the ocean's so salty. <laughs> that is a real problem in California. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Extra jizz, man. Well, oh, you please. know. They say in San Francisco it's poop, but it's also extremely, extremely progressive there, so I get it. Gotcha. So Jimmy puts a band together with one of his army buddies, Billy Cox, and a couple uh. other guys. Uh, he actually ended up touring the country in uh, an old Plymouth that didn't have a reverse in it. Sometimes he dealt with some serious racism. In fact, touring around was his first experience with racism because being in Seattle was his own like diverse little bubble. Uh-huh. Still, playing guitar ruled his life. He started using light amphetamine so he could practice for extremely long hours. He's uh, a workhorse. Okay. Yeah, exactly. He's a perfectionist. He spent time in Nashville, and uh, Billy Cox actually landed him a studio musician, uh, uh, a gig as a studio musician for Frank Howard and the Commanders. Uh -huh. The producer ended up killing Jimmy's contributions entirely because of his silly, wild playing. Huh. Yeah, 1964, Jimmy m moves to Harlem, New York to get work as a musician. Proved to be much more difficult than he was led to believe by several of his other friends who had said playing around New York is easy. Firstly, Harlem was extremely conservative about their music. Blues, R&B, and jazz only. None of this rock and roll shit. And that was Jimmy's bag. What about reggaeton? No. That's just two years later. <laughs> okay. Seattle was much more of an integrated place than New York, which I mentioned before. At this time, Jimmy had a crazy sexual appetite. Wow. Mm, appetite. Yeah. He's appetite. <laughs> Why have I never seen that word before? That's a cool <laughs> word. Jimmy's got the appetite, the sexual appetite. 
So he was shy, but back then, shy was like a cute thing in the early 60s. Uh-huh. Unlike today. It's not like the 60s, guys. If you want to sleep with a woman, you have to let her know within the first five minutes of meeting her or else you're going to be friend-zoned forever. Boomers had it easier. Okay. They were able to be quiet and cute. Jimmy was one of those guys. Uh, uh, also, nowadays, you need a contract. Make sure you have a co- you carry around a contract all the time. You got to shake hands. Yeah, you have to record all your conversations. <laughs> you don't want to get me-tooed. Even the nicest guys get me-tooed. Yeah. You record it. It's true. <laughs> I was so, gonna say fire a flare into like her bedroom window and state your declaration from the sidewalk. <laughs> I am hoping to have sex with you at some point. Preferably tonight. Will you receive my penis? Please pen your name on the dotted line. <laughs> Why is that guy talking like that? <laughs> well, this is how you get women, Cody. That's true. Being regal. So when he did finally get a girlfriend, he was very difficult to be around. If his hair didn't look right, he wouldn't want to leave the house. And this didn't add up at all because the rest of him was pretty shitty. He had awful acne and he smelled like shit and his clothes were garbage oh, even no. when he did have a little bit of money. But he was always about perfect hair. I see. Okay, I, I guess. See, I mean, when I see pictures of Jimi Hendrix, I don't think perfect hair. He's kind of just ties his, he ties like a bandana around his head. He had clown hair. He had the afro thing, but it was teased out. Mm, okay. It was like the, the the straightened afro, if you would. Gotcha. Which was in. That was in back then. Uh-huh. Jimmy was a top-notch freeloader. He lived with a drug dealer who offered him the opportunity to sell some drugs to make money, but Jimmy refused and insisted that crashing there for free, he'd be able to play more guitar, and this was much more of a noble cause. And uh, I guess his drug dealer friend was okay with that. Uh, one of his gigs that he had, he was touring with a well-known stripper named Pantera. <laughs> what? <laughs> also, probably not named after the band because this is thirty years before. But I'm broken. <laughs> Maybe the band's like named to... after her. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Wait, did she have a broken vagina? <laughs> Wait, did did Jimmy did Jimmy meet her at the cemetery gates? Well, that that's an interesting thing. We can contest that at some point. Uh, yeah. yeah, their favorite sexual position was concrete cowgirl. He was he was touring around with uh, oh, Uncle Phil and Selmo. Jimmy will tell you how not racist I am. Hey Tom, <laughs> hey Tom, this is a little sidebar here. Was Dimebag Doral an asshole? Can we roast him? He seemed like a pretty normal dude who just like Fuck. had a problem with cocaine. Ah, uh, but he never had to do anything shitty for it because he had a shit ton of money. Why are all the metal people like cool? Oh, dude, there's plenty of not cool metal people. All right, are they dead? A few of them are dead. I mean, who's the worst one? Okay. I don't want to talk about this now because we could do it for a future episode. Okay. Well, let's keep talking about James Hendrix. He then worked with the Isley Brothers. A few of you might know them. Uh, He was a touring musician. That was his first big act. Uh, He had been a studio touring musician for a couple years at this point and got pretty sick of it. So he decided to go solo. But he kept changing his name around. He kept being Jimmy Jim or Jimmy James or James Jimmy Jim. Hmm. Which confused the industry people that he had met during his course of being a touring musician. Jimmy. I think he should have been called James Nazian. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, because he he had mad sick curls. No, he's like James Nazian. That's the best nickname for Jim. Hands down. All right. Prove me wrong. (laughs) At me. Who is James Nazian? It's a two part joke, Mike. (laughs) Now, if your name is Jim. Yeah. 
there's also that thing phonetically called the gym where you go work out. Yeah, it's uh, and the it, gym is is, is short for <laughs> gymnasium. The frog for Mike. So now it's it's Jamesnasium because you're taking the short. <laughs> and also Jim. <laughs> and also Jim as a gymnasium oh. is the way that you would spell Jim if you were a gynecologist. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. They're not gymacologists, Travis. <laughs> they are. So he started dating a 16-year-old hooker, uh, Diana Carpenter. The two took to thievery to survive, as Diana hmm. dropped the hooking thing after being beat by a uh, customer, I guess? Um, a John. One John, yes. So this John beat her, and Diana was like, well, I'm 16. I'm not going to do that anymore. So shortly after that, Diana started secretly hooking again, though, after she discovered she was pregnant. Mm. When oh, Jimmy wow. found when Jimmy found out, he beat her with a belt, yelling, wow. If I tell you to do something, you do it. I'll show you fat meat is greasy. Kinky. No. Fat meat what? is greasy. That scrambled me for a second. Oh, it's like boy. bacon. I'm... No comedy here. Just a yeah, sick man I, I, yelling about fat. <laughs> I'm retorted right now. <laughs> um... Wait, but also sounds like Jimmy's turning into a wow. little uh, like his dad, Jimmy Neutron. Al, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate how you like hook me into agreeing with you and then just <laughs> fucking take a left turn at Albuquerque, dude. Well, he's basically Jimmy Neutron. Look at his forehead; it's like Al's <laughs> ego and how bad Al is is all condensed into his giant forehead. Yeah, yes. big heads are evil. You heard it here. And I'd like to uh, th thank you, Travis, for pointing this out. This is the the turning point for Jimmy. Okay. He's no longer the victim. He was a victim for most of his life. So that can make you understand maybe uh, where he comes in with some of these shortcomings he has. But now he's got to own them. Mm -hmm. So learn from your parents' mistakes. That's how you, if you're a spawn of a human, you're supposed to learn from the fucking shitty toads that birthed you. Because you're just a fucking tadpole and fucking evolve and not be like those are you, toads. Are you saying that the, your parents are tadpoles and you have to evolve to not be like them? No, I'm so saying you, you are the tadpole. Toad? Don't become the toad. Become the butterfly. Go into but that you cocoon. Will. Genetically, you'll, okay. Go into that cocoon, dude. Go into that cocoon. The cocoon. Okay. <laughs> That makes more sense. It makes so, so much the sense, two dude. It's <laughs> biology, dude. I learned it. I had like a fruit fly as a pet in school. What was its name? <laughs> What'd you name it? I named it uh, Reginald Seven. What happened to Reginald Six? <laughs> Reginald Six. I swatted him. Because <laughs> he didn't learn from his parents. He was oh. still a tadpole. He was just a dumb idiot. You know what I mean? Like, this is I'm how. I'm so confused. This is now. how psychology was born, pretty much, if you think about it. Like, think about, think about Kratos, the great Greek philosopher. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Think about how far we've come, how much of a tadpole we are not. Now I'm talking like Yoda, dude. <laughs> uh, I think you're just talking with, like, cider. Hey, you're, you're drinking yeah. ciders now, right? Dude, I had you're two, I had two up ciders. Sides. What else are you drinking, you fucking weenie? Dude, I'm also drinking this uh, gua guava splash from 7-Eleven. Put, Put it down. Don't touch it anymore. Yeah, was the safety Dude, ring the intact on that? <laughs> it's a replenish from 7-Eleven. They have that on Long Island. <laughs> so while, while Jimmy and Diana were still dating, 
she uh, casually asked him to go see a movie. And the movie was called Madame X. Oh. Jimmy assumed that this was about prostitution. And he flew into a fit of rage and stormed out. He then found a John, who was an undercover cop, to be solicited by and then arrest Diana. What? Being underage, the police officer gave her two options. Three years in jail or a bus ticket back home to her parents. Obviously, she took the ticket and Jimmy Uh never met his first child. Wow. Oh, fuck. Was that actually his child, though? Yeah, totally. How do you know? She was still alive today. Well, she was hauling, but like he was raking. I'm just thinking that Jimmy might have been doing that dance that he's not the father. Okay. Yeah. uh, Jimmy has illegitimate children all over the place. He has never claimed any of them. That's just a, a little foreshadowing here of the old uh, cock. Yeah, he's <laughs> got it. He's shooting his Jimmy Johns all over the place. <laughs> am I am I understanding correctly that Jimi Hendrix orchestrated a sting against his unborn child? Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, that's he, a new that's a new one for this cast. Well, if you're a father and you don't technically want to walk out on your kid, make your kid walk out on you. <laughs> Not my yeah, fault! Stop being a tadpole. Yeah, stop yeah. being a tadpole. Grow some legs. Fucking walk out. Dude, right. hold on a second, Cody. I like I just dropped that again. I think I'm going to come out some, with some, like, fucking I, self... I regret it already. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'm going to come out with some, like, self-help tapes or some shit. I'm going to be like, well, those, like, YouTube gurus. Don't be a tadpole. Can that be our bonus episodes? Yeah. Just Travis <laughs> rambling about tadpoles and butterflies. All right. Oh, I'd love to see you, like, on an infomercial or something like that with, like, a... A fucking waterfall behind you. Yeah, all I need to do Preaching is go like rent a Lambo for like two hundred bucks and like say like you want this, you want this. Just don't be a tadpole, bro. Be a butterfly. So uh, around this same time, Jimmy got into taking acid. Keith Richards hey. from the Rolling Stone had a girlfriend named Linda, who discovered Jimmy by actually accidentally wandering into the Cheetah Club while he was playing as a hired gun for a band. <laughs> okay, they ended up chatting. And she took him and some of her other friends back to her hotel room, and they took acid, which is also kind of funny. Um, she offers him acid, and he goes, I don't know about that, but I'd like to try that LSD stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. I <laughs> he, mean, he, one's a gateway drug to the other. Yeah, uh, he, he honestly didn't know, but apparently that was quite the laughing stock of the evening. <laughs> I remember that happened to me, the and then stuff. someone was like, you yeah. want to try acid? And I just took a double A and cracked it, put it in my mouth. How was that night? And became a butterfly. Oh, it was a great night. I was in the the hospital. There's a lot of beeping going on. It was like free, pretty groovy. <laughs> free morphine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just chain reacts. Yeah. So uh, it, it wasn't long before he was uh, doing that pretty regularly. Also, mm-hmm. uh, acid was considered a white person drug. Uh, he was one of the only guys in Harlem. He was already getting a hard time from the rest of the people living up there. Like, oh, yeah, why are you playing rock and roll? Why does your hair look like that? Why do you wear those clothes? Because acid. So then, so uh, Jimi Hendrix is the whitest black person in the world so far. He's also Cherokee, mm-hmm. so that's not good for that okay. whole nation. You know, you got to <laughs> represent. They, they, because of Jimmy, the, there was more than one tear cried on the side of the road. He had enough tears wow. for for every Lay's potato chip bag that's ever gone out <laughs> of a, a moving car on a highway. Yeah. Let's talk about his live shows again. So his he started getting, uh, he put together a band called the Blue Flames. And cool. uh, he was able to take these like hit songs from the radio and do 
do them in like two, three times the length in his weird psychedelic jammy way, but he actually kept it interesting the whole time. He's what? actually he's pretty good at that. Wait, Tom. Um, so he's the person that you fucking hate, those metal cover bands on YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Excuse me. No. Yes. That's not what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't know this, uh, go listen to our episode that we did with the Thought Cops, friends of ours. Uh, I talk about when people on YouTube do metal covers of shit. Okay. Uh, stop. Yeah, but this is just like fish stop. covers of Ariana Grande. <laughs> no, that's not. It's not necessarily true. Jimmy Jimmy took some really bread and buttery songs and made them something else. Okay. Uh, performance acts, uh, cool shit. I, I'm not into jam, but if you listen to some of his live recordings, he does pretty interesting things. His, uh, he always gets together some really great players and keeps it going. So uh, here I am talking really kindly about someone that I'm supposed to not be doing that about. So fuck you guys. Thanks for putting me down All that right. rabbit hole. His playing had made the other players in the area somewhat jealous. Linda tried to get Jimmy in the spotlight and would bring industry people to the shows. Keith Richards has heard about his girlfriend's interest in Jimmy and want to kill him. <laughs> Linda okay. went out of her way to help Jimmy's career. She's probably the only reason that we know about this weenie today. <laughs> wow. So then enters the picture Brian Chaz Chandler. No. He's the bass player of The Animals. You might know their song, House of the Rising Sun. That is also the whitest name I've ever heard. Brian yes, Chaz Chandler. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's pretty up yeah. there. That's Bleach. Yeah. You know anyone named Chaz, Mike? Isn't that short for Chad? Charles, dog. Uh, or it's like a combination Chandler. of Chad. I don't know. I mean, could be. Wait, Chaz uh, is short for th Charles. Oh. Uh, thought it was Chad. I don't But they're all one-syllable words. Yeah, I know, right? Chad. So he was a, he's a bass player of the animals, and he was looking to leave the animals and start a producing career. He also fell in love with the song Hey Joe by Tom Rose that had hit the radio. Uh, Jimi Hendrix also knew that song and decided to do a cover, which is more famous than the original now. And uh, just by chance, Chaz runs into Linda, and Linda's like, Hey, uh, come on down to the show. My buddy Jimmy's playing. So Chaz walks into the show, and he's tall as fuck and, like, bigger than everyone else. You know, he looks. He's got that producer money. He's just ready to go. And he sees Jimi Hendrix play Hey Joe, and he's just like, oh, that's the fucking song. So Chaz wanted to get into producing. He heard that song and was just like, if I can get that song on the UK charts, it's going to do huge. So he talks to Jimmy, and uh, he's like, yo, Jimmy, I like the way you play that song. You play that a lot better than the original. Uh, you should come over to me to the UK. Mm. Let's talk oh. about it. You understand? You understand, Jimmy? We're going to go to the UK, and we're going to make you big over there. I didn't even know that was a cover. Wow. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I didn't know of, that either. I thought that was his song. A lot of Jimi Hendrix songs are covers, but that's very typical for the beginning of a recording artist's career. Yeah. Uh, back okay, then. Yeah. Well, isn't... It's, uh, it makes sense. Isn't all along the Watchtower that's like Bob Dylan, right? Or some shit? Yeah, that's Bob Dylan. I got you. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's we not that, tonight, that, boys. That was kind of like industry standard back then. That's yeah. not him ripping people off. Uh, you, you would learn other people's songs. You would re-record them and see if you can put them on pop charts other than the one they came from. Yeah, it was like Eiffel 65, they covered me when they did I'm Blue Up at the Up Die. <laughs> that's not fucking true. That is true, Cody. Shut up. <laughs> it's so true. I went triple platinum. Oh I went triple platinum in Lithuania. It was great. 
<laughs> Jimmy was hesitant about working with Chaz because he'd have to go to England. This is my favorite part of this episode thus far. So his biggest concern about going to England was he wasn't sure if his guitar would work with the electricity they had in England. <laughs> that, okay. Maybe. The good old like, UK governor, governor electricity. <laughs> UK's got right, weird currents, All right, bro, you plug this shit in here. Then you bro, bro. <laughs> it's seven o'clock in the evening. All power goes off, especially rock and roll items. They're all off. We will be finding you 50 pence for every minute you play rock and roll over this time. But yeah, he was actually concerned that his uh, wow. guitar wouldn't work if he plugged it in over there. And just, like that being a concern, it's just like, well, then get an English guitar if that was a thing. Right. But it's not a thing. Just bring your guitar. Wow. There's an Dude. English guy telling you to come with him and he's going to give you money. Just do it. If anything, their electricity is better because they have shrimp-flavored chips over there. Come on. <laughs> when you say chips. Crisps. Okay. <laughs> packets of crisp. Shrimp right? flavor. Do they call them packets, though? It's like a oh, bag of chips. A packets a, a of sa crisp. Sachet, <laughs> a sachet of, of shrimp. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking neck just spazzed out. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to cause you a no. stroke, Mike. You're too young for that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Mike, take, your, take it easy on your neck. Mike, uh, as, as a doctor on this show, Travis from The Doctors, um, God I'm going to tell you that your age, your demographic, just dab it out, dude. It's like, I don't know, floss <laughs> yeah, it out loosen, or something. Oh, there it goes. Loosen that sternocleidomastoid out. All right, so September wow. 1966, Jimmy gets to England. He has instantly gained the nickname Wild Man of Borneo. This was That's pretty fucking racist. That is, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's some but, good, old, apparently... oh, good old English racism right there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but very welcoming. Most of the English people he met never even saw a black person before, and they liked the novelty, so they treated him well. So it was I wouldn't say reverse racism. I'm gonna say racism with perks. <laughs> Perk. Oh, that's the Perk best racism. racism. Like ev everyone wanted to buy the Cherokee black guy a beer because they hadn't done that before, and they could tell their friends about it later. As right. opposed to, hey, like, it, it was the opposite of, like, hey, you can't use that bathroom. That's what was happening in the States. Over there, it was just like, hey, uh, you can use the bathroom before me. Can I stand in the room and watch your monster dong come out of your pants? Yeah, let me hold it for you. Let me shake it off while you're done. <laughs> wow. Uh, by the following year, he, had, he was a rising star. Chandler, or Chaz, had enlisted the drummer Mitch Mitchell and the bassist Noel Redding to create the Jimi Hendrix Experience. His first album, Are You Experienced, was released in the UK May 12, 1967, and spent 33 weeks on the top of the charts, peaking at number two. Wow. Okay. Big yeah. what, uh, what He brought a, in money. But what, were, was, what was he asking people if they were experienced in? That's the question. Fellatio? Rock and roll. I think it was a sexual thing. Uh, also, the, the Jimi Hendrix experience is one of the laziest names. I mean, Mitch, Miss, Mitch Mitchelson's pretty lazy. That's like a lazy for yeah, a but he was, that, that was lazy parents. They were yeah. They were down at the pub when they were thinking names. All right, all also, my, drinking pregnant. Yeah. All right, what's your last name, Mitch? Your name is Mitchell, right? Last name, mother's last name, Mitchell. Son, 
Mitch Mitchell. <laughs> How's that work for you? It's all right, love. Just keep your son's name like that. <laughs> all right. I like that you don't know the last name of the broad you knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> and she's drinking pregnant. <laughs> yeah, of Mitchell. course. Yeah. But I just want to throw in here uh, that is maybe, maybe the Jimi Hendrix experience. When I say that's a lazy name, maybe there's another podcast. That oh, was a little no. lazy with hmm. their name too. Hmm. Pretty fucking hmm. lazy. Yeah, the initials pretty... are DMT. Yeah, I was gonna say it's pretty much <laughs> our podcast that we all did DMT. Since I hate talking about other people's successes, and uh, Jimi Hendrix went on to be the world's highest-paying rock star, I will get right to the juice from here. He was a very good guitar player, and I can't knock that. Okay, uh, I like his music. Yeah, it's awesome. He does good music. He did it right. I think he's a good singer, too. Yeah, he actually didn't like his voice at all. Really? But he had charisma, and everyone else told him to just sing. I think he had a good voice. I, I He was the whole package when it comes to a rock star. All right. Do you think, uh, you know, he, you know, he lit his guitar on fire. I mean, that's a big popular yeah. thing. Do you think he ever took a diarrhea dump on it, though? Great question. Uh, he he may have actually. He he might have. You know, we not documented, but could be. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was no fire extinguisher ready, so he just squirted. Yeah, on Yeah, that it. Santa Fe show just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, I remember my mom. I think it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was my mom. She went to go see the, or maybe it was my uncle. I don't know. Someone went to go see. I think the monkeys at Shea Stadium in New York. Where the Mets used to play. Wow, great! And uh, Jimi Hendrix opened for the Monkees. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of like screaming girls. Like we just did the Backstreet Boys guy. The Monkees were the Backstreet yeah. Boys of the time. So it's all these like, oh, the Monkees! Ah! And Jimi Hendrix comes out as the opener, and he actually got booed off stage. What the because, fuck? That makes really? sense. Yeah, because all these prepubescent girls were like, oh, I can't wait to see the monkeys. Who's this man? Who's we, this? We love the monkeys. We hate good taste. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so his popularity was exclusively limited to the UK at this point, though. Uh, when he visited his friends in New York, he brought a few copies of his album with him, and he gave it to his friends, and most of them were like, uh, well, I hope he makes it. Because <laughs> it wasn't really well received, the Are You Experienced album, when he brought it over there. He didn't oh, have really? any publicity over there. The black people hated it because, like I said before, that just wasn't their bag. They wanted to hear jazz. They wanted to hear R&B. And uh, they thought it was weird to see this other black guy doing white person music. Right. Hmm. So then the experience toured like crazy and then released two more albums over the course of their career. Axis Bold as Love in 67 and Electric Ladyland in 78. Oh, 68. Excuse me. Oh. By the end of 68, the band members and their producer Chaz were fed up with Jimmy's antics. Chaz quit <laughs> the band. He didn't want to work with them. But by all other accounts, Jimmy decided to go with another producer. Chaz had made Jimmy's career entirely what it was. He was good to him. He was the only guy who said no to Jimmy when Jimmy was trying to do too many drugs or, you know, try to take five hits acid before going on stage. Chaz was Jesus a straight Christ. guy who would be like, hey, maybe you should just go play the show. <laughs> Switch to afterwards. diet acid. Yeah. But uh, 
after Chaz left that whole situation, Jimi Hendrix's career, the short-lived career, started going downhill. Really? We're already over the hump of it? Yeah, like I said, I'm not here to talk about successes. He had a really short career. He was only big for four years. Mm. Wow, that's How many of those years was Uh, he actually popular in the U.S., though? Uh, it was the following year with the uh, uh, excuse me with the Access album. Okay, Bold as Love, that got a little more radio play. Uh, still not very welcomed by the black community at all. Right, but white white kids but, are like, oh my god, I'm so cultured right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Native American black man on stage playing guitar upside down. Holy heck, he's even using scarves wrong. The boomers <laughs> are so accepting. They're so culturally diverse and great. I know, right? So diverse. So diverse. So uh, in 1969, after a couple months sabbatical, the band played a few shows in London. But the bass player, Noel Noel Redding, was sick of all the curveballs that Jimmy was throwing at him with all the drug shit not showing up. Uh, Wild set changes at the last minute. And pretty much feeling like he was working with a bum. (laughs) Redding expressed... That to Jimmy, he was upfront and, and personal with it. And Jimmy, like I said before, he didn't like dealing with issues. So for the next few shows, he had brought in his brother, uh, his friend Billy Cox from his army days to play bass without re- Redding knowing that until he had flown to Denver for a festival. He found out when a reporter asked him, Why are you here? Jeez. <laughs> That's why he fired. Well, he wasn't oh, actually fuck. fired. That's the thing. Uh, he was still in the band. So he hated confrontation, and it was to a fault. He actually wasted a lot of people's time like that. Uh, Jimmy would tell all of his musical lineup ideas to the press, and usually the people that were involved with those lineups would find out last. Uh, he would just kind of rattle off ideas, and then people would take him seriously. And then all of a sudden, a guy who he played with five years ago, he's like, I guess I have to play in this band now. <laughs> He, uh, the last show that he played as the Jimi Hendrix experience, he let everyone know that it was the last show during the last show. He told the audience, wow. this is the last time we're playing as the experience. Mm. And Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding are like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did he put acid so, in his headband? You know, isn't that like a big thing? That yeah, he- that's true. I didn't catch that, but I'd believe it because he loved taking acid a lot. Mm. On the uh, other hand, I do believe that is a waste of acid, putting on your forehead. It gets in there, man. It gets, I know, it gets I know but there, the best but... way to do it is to boof it, like any drugs. As you know from Roast Mortem Podcast, um, if you want something to go into your system the fastest, like lobster, like clams, like... Woo, what are you doing? Right up the anus, right into the, right into the sphincter, membranes, I woo, just, biology. I... Travis, I have this prickly pear with your name uh, on it. Okay. I'd like you to boof yeah, it. <laughs> I pro- Jimmy probably boofed acid. I'm just I'm just going to put it out there. I don't know if that's a fact. He probably did. Yeah. He's got the fingers for it. It's what I would like to call a roast mortem fact. Yes. So it's fact. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jimmy had actually, uh, pre- previous to all of his success, he had signed a, a contract with another smaller label. And they started going after him, being like, mm-hmm. you're not even supposed to be writing music here. You're supposed to be a studio musician with us. Uh, so then he changed the name again of the band to uh, the Band of Gypsies, which is uh, pretty awful. And yeah. his career reflected that. Mm-hmm. that I never heard of that. Bad, bad names. 
Really bad names. Dude, you, uh, dude hippies ma- are so creative. Why? Because they paint things with the wrong type of paint? Tie-dye. Yeah, right, dude? Like, they had no, like, if you uh, spin something really fast, yeah. it looks crazy. Far out, bro. <laughs> Let's use these rodents. Let's feed them to turtles when we're dude, done. Dude, imagine Arkham if Crocs stops. came out, like, I don't know, uh, 40 years earlier. Change the world. Armpit hair. Change the world one croc at a time. That's horrific. In May of 1969, Hendrix was going through customs at a Toronto airport. They found heroin and hashish on him while going through customs. This should have been breaking news at this point, but for some reason, no one seemed to care, including myself. (laughs) He was taken to court. His lawyers were able to convince the judge and jury that a fan... Must have planted the drugs on Jimmy. That's a good lawyer. Because he knows better. That's a good fan. That's a good fan. Great fan. Uh, When Jimmy's Cali rental house was burglarized, he immediately blamed his friend Paul, who was not guilty, by the way, and he punched Paul in the stomach and started throwing rocks at him. Oh, nice. Just just a few days later, he smashed a bottle of vodka over his girlfriend's head. Oh! Oh. Fuck. Full or empty? That I don't know, but I think it was empty because he was drinking pretty heavily. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> that, wow. Okay, so um, the apple doesn't fall, fall far, far from the anus. Yeah. <laughs> and see, as awful as Al was to his one Lucille, uh, Jimmy was awful to hundreds of women. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, uh, okay, beating up a woman, that's terrible. Smashing a bottle of yes. vodka on her head. That's hospitalized. That's not like a, ooh, I'm just going to cover it up with some fucking like foundation. That's like I need to go to the hospital, get stitches. Head trauma, yeah. A lot of foundation. I might, I might die if this isn't looked at <laughs> yeah. properly. Yeah. Um, bleeding. Another longtime girlfriend, Kathy Etchingham, was on a payphone <laughs> in public when Jimmy overheard something he didn't like out of her mouth and took the receiver from her hand and beat her with it. Mm. I remember that. You remember that? Really nice guy. I remember hearing <laughs> that he did that, not as it I was broke. like, Cody, how old are you? You know who can get away with that? Joe Pesci when he's playing a movie part. <laughs> Anyone else really can't do it yeah. that well. Yeah. Kathy had an open relationship with Jimmy for a long time because Jimmy was uh, the wild man of Borneo. Can I say that? That's not my phrase, but... Uh, we'll yeah. see how it flies. Quotation marks, yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see what reaction we get from the audience. Satire in Minecraft. <laughs> She did an interview saying that Jimmy would like to do four or five chicks at the same time. Pretty rad. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah, we all? You know, I don't blame him. He would also like to film it. Okay. Wouldn't we all? Gotta remember it. For memories. I mean, that's like, no. you know, scrapbooking. <laughs> Ladies can yeah, do yeah. Sudoku scrapbooks or whatever they're... What are those things called? They have, like, the Japanese scrapbooking that's really popular now. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Yeah, it was on some Cosmo... No, it was on some fucking New York City Cosmo shit that I did. Japanese, oh sorry, Japanese fucking scrapbooking. Uh, oh, seaweed scrapbooks. Yeah, so now you know men can do their things like, hey, force them. Uh, just gonna film it for scrap. Just <laughs> <laughs> for scrapping. So I'd like to uh, take a quote from Kathy when she was interviewed. He had this thing about taking films of really fat women or skinny, ugly ones. Then he used to show the films and laugh at them. <laughs> Uh, he would also get friends of his to film women running around naked in his room. That's like revenge porn, but yeah, not maybe. really for revenge. Like he would have have uh, sex with women he found extremely unattractive and show it off. I don't know who the joke was on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's the where's the punchline here? It's just yeah. like, hey, Mike, get your camcorder. 
You're gonna film me like porking this porker. All right, Jimmy. I guess. I guess I'll. I guess I'll record it for you. Did you steal my best shit? Cousin Did ever. you steal my shit? Did you steal my shit? You said I could borrow it. And then Jimmy's like, "Excuse me, while I kiss this guy." Uh, Jimmy is also unofficially credited for making up the term band-aids for groupies. That's a term? Oh, hey, uh, look at that. Yeah, that's a term. Uh, band-aids. Ladies. Hey, stick around. Is that like mm-hmm. what you two did in the 80s? Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, was it band-aid? Bono's, it was Bo- like Bono was like, we're going to cure AIDS by getting AIDS. <laughs> Bono <laughs> took everything rock and roll and made it How's not rock and now? roll. Just like, oh yeah, band-aids, that's cool. Let's help people with that. <laughs> what the fuck do you think this is, Bono? This isn't uh, the church. We're supposed to be fucking disgusting women and filming it and showing it to our friends and jumping out of hotel windows. Bono, it's like the Joshua tree, bruh. It's like where Jesus kissed like the apple and then Eve was like, yo, let me film it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Woodstock. Please. So Woodstock was a fucking mess. If you don't yeah. know about Woodstock, that's weird. And I'm not talking about the 99 one. I'm talking about the, the 69 one. Sick. Mm. Uh, Jimmy headlined the famous event. But what most people don't know is that most people left before he played at 8 a.m. Oh. in the morning on a Monday. Oh, uh. nice. So Woodstock was a festival that had 400,000 people at it. Right. When he played... There were 30,000 people. Wow. And most of them were trying to leave. <laughs> so if you ever meet an old person who tells you they saw Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock, they're lying. <laughs> That's a good send-off. Dude, I, I, I just yeah. think that the whole like Woodstock thing is so fucking stupid. Like, it was this fucking cultural revolution. Like, we were all here. We were all yeah, like right. here. We were like cultural. We were, and we were rebelling against everything. And it's like, no, dude, you were just yeah, you were just crapping in the woods and fucking like, I don't know, watching a show. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, and you got free blankets. You got free peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from nice people that didn't want to see you starve to death on their property. (laughs) And then you voted Reagan in a few years later, you (laughs) fucking idiots. (laughs) What are you thinking? Well, I'm just saying Coachella Uh, happens every year now, and I'm sure everyone that goes there comes out and they're like Dude, we just changed the world. Why am I dressed like a Native American? After after Jimmy had played Woodstock, uh, he had been up for three days, and he collapsed when he got off of the <laughs> stage. Um, oh. To him, though, the more important show was one that he played two weeks later. It was a benefit show in Harlem. He wanted to show the stuck-up blues and jazz fans that he could play rock, rock and roll, too. It was a free show that had an attendance of a few thousand. And he was headlining, and by the time he went on, it was dwindled down to about 200. Oh, no. And they all were throwing eggs at him. Wait, real eggs? Really? Wait, what? Hold on. Yeah. (laughs) Real eggs. Free eggs, okay. He's a good musician. Yeah, free eggs. for Omelets for days, band. Um, Shortly after, Hendrix was kidnapped one night while on the prowl for some cocaine after a jam session in a nightclub called The Salvation. He was held hostage for uh, for ransom. Instead of giving into the commands of the kidnappers, his manager, Michael Jeffrey, hired goons to fuck up the kidnappers. There you go. They ended up finding Jimmy two days later, untouched. 
So hmm. there's a theory behind this one that Jeffrey organized the kidnapping as his suspicions grew that Jimmy wanted to find a new manager. Mm. Oh, so fuck. He wanted, he wanted to show him how Bad good manager. of a manager was. Who did he hire? Jason Statham? <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson. What's his name? <laughs> Jimmy Hendrix. I'll find him. Yeah, we had him in London for a bit. I oh, know. Yeah, and then he puts on his driver gloves and he's like, I remember that experience. <laughs> Lock, stock, and one guitar playing black man. <laughs> yep, yep, that's, that's the it. one. They just gotta get the hash and the 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 and the guitar. Yes, Jesus I love Christ. it. So uh, Jimmy's drug use has had gotten pretty crazy. He was in Sweden on one of his last shows. He walked out on stage, greeted the audience, did nothing, just kind of stood there. Pretty Mitch Miller, Mitch yeah. Miller, who was the the original drummer uh, who had quit and was now back in the band, just started playing drums, hoping Jimmy would join in. But Jimmy just kind of stared out and passed out at the eight-minute mark. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get your money worth. Yes. Now, uh, you know what that means. He's probably going to do something. So, Mike, why don't you ask me how he did that? Here we go. How does Jimmy kick the bucket? Ooh, I'm glad you asked, Mike. I'm provoked. James Nasium. Um Jimmy no. had this, this feeling of impending doom following him around for the last few years of his life. Monica Daneman, his girlfriend at the time, had picked Jimmy up from a party and brought her back to her hotel room in Kensington. Uh. They split a bottle of wine, and then Jimmy tried to go to bed. So what do you do? You eat nine sleeping pills. Vesperax. No. A pill that's supposed to be split in half, so it was 18 times the amount of recommended dosage. Jeez. Then he went to bed. All right, so can I stop you right there? Because I had an experience, right? No. So they make they make Flintstones right. vitamins, right? And it's got all my favorite yeah, yeah, cartoon right. characters on they, it. Right? They make those, and I'm like, "Yo, yeah. hell uh, yeah! Let me Rubble. get all of these. Let me get them, son. Let me get them, son. It's candy. It's candy. And then I just like had weird those pee. Taste like shit. It just was very thick, like thick and frothy. Jesus but if you do that with Ew. sleeping pills, it's not like Flintstones vitamin. That was my story. <laughs> did you have wait? Did you have a wait, pee that looks like syrup or something? <laughs> Pete Flintstones. Was it a solid? Was it like a like the tongue of a Komodo dragon tasting the air around it? Uh, Going out and coming back in. If a Komodo dragon is like a Siamese that hasn't had water for like three days, then yes. Oh, oh wow. That's awesome. So anyway, he's doing that yes. with sleeping pills. That's, there's not even funny shapes on sleeping pills. No, they're just pill-shaped. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, so he takes a handful of these sleeping pills, and he throws up and asphyxiates on his own vomit. Oh, wow. fuck, he Chris Farley'd. Now, some right. of his buddies claim that he committed suicide, as he was somewhat depressed during this time or obsessed with just moving into the next life. But the record label went after anyone who went after anyone who went public with that view as they had taken a, taken a $1 million accidental life insurance policy out on him. Everyone was sad ever. <laughs> oh, fuck. So I thought he died from drugs. He did. Well, sleeping did. pills are yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you like, listening, you know Mike? You know what I mean? Like acid. Like, yeah. Mike, that's like drugs. Tons of acid or something like that. Dude. He, he died from like too much acid. No, he just uh, died the way of like uh, all the like SoundCloud heroin. rappers. Oh, yeah. He went to yeah. bed. <laughs> undisturbed. Yeah. Permanently. Um, but also, didn't he die oh at the God. um at that like golden age of rock stars? What was it? 27? 27. Yeah, he was 27. Mm. Wow. That's also, just to let you know, that's why I went into the parents pretty hard, because it's ca- kind of hard to uh, make a whole script about someone who was died when they were 27, 
and uh, not very well documented outside of the praise. Yeah, right. Legacy is wow. Yeah, no, I think it was a really good script. Yes. Oh well, thanks guys. I have a little well, bit more. Do you know who? Yeah. Do you know who Fuck. started the Twenty Seven Club? Who? Robert Johnson. Yeah, the oh, blues really? guitarist. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he was a good one. Yeah, he, I feel he like he it. might be someone we could roast because he's pretty. Uh, he's did some shady shit. Hmm. I actually looked into him. He's not that well documented. I don't think we'll be able to get a full episode. I don't know. I watched something masterclass. about it. Maybe we'll do blues people. Yeah, you. As a masterclass. You got you got a you watched a forty five minute special with Flash animation. <laughs> yeah, it was great. With a bunch of people telling you their opinion about how Especially that guy with the uh-huh. with the groany if if that's what Netflix does, yeah, I mean we'll talk about it off camera. Yeah, well I'm gonna trust the man with the groany tail walking around in a cemetery. So sorry, Tom. You're not a boomer with a groany tail. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Alright, anyway. <laughs> Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about. Um, you know who's still alive when Jimmy died? Besides everyone else, Janis Joplin. Uh, daddy. Hmm. Yeah, Daddy. Uh, Alan. Wow, okay. Al is still alive. So in 1995, Mr. Hendrix and his family gained full control of Jimi Hendrix's music, name, oh, no. and likeness, estimated between 60 and 90 million dollars. After two years of the legal battle with the record label, wow. wow. He controlled all of Jimmy's money and tried to write. Leon, his younger brother, who Jimmy adored, out of the will, just out of spite. Oh, nice. But that was Fuck. overturned. Good. Uh, do yourself a favor. Watch some interviews with Al Hendricks. That penis died of congestive heart disease in 2002. He lived congestive until 2002? Yeah, he was an old, crotchety piece of shit who didn't die from alcohol poisoning. Honestly, before. I think that guy was fucking worse than our subject. I think so, yeah. too. That guy made our subject, yeah. so yeah. Sins of our fathers. Yep. Well, I guess that's about it for this. There you go. Uh, this what's your thing. favorite Jim Hendrix? We died from sleeping pills. Mm. I only know one. Uh, I like castles made of sand. C- Castle made of sand, fall into the sea. Eventually. Eventually. I'm going to sing all of them. I like One Rainy Wish. That's a good one. Wait, wait One Rainy Wish? A yeah. one rainy wish. No, no, no. Why it's called star. one rainy wish, but Travis's answer to not knowing the song is make up his own version of it. <laughs> See, I, I, I know nothing and I thought he was just doing it. Like he could have fooled me though. <laughs> like I am such a non musical fuck. Cody, what's your favorite Jim Hendrix? You know? Beastie Boys? What what are, we, what are you gonna say? <laughs> yeah. A sabotage, right. Sabotage? Tension all of y'all, yeah, there's a watchtower sabotage. <laughs> all right, well, thanks for tuning in to Thank the Rosemortem coverage of Jimi Hendrix. And we're done here. Hey, guess what? You should check us out on Patreon.com because that's where, that's where we can afford enough money to buy sleeping pills or, or, <laughs> no. or <laughs> no. Flintstones vitamins. So we can be a, a small, a big grown boys. Don't you want to know about four men who are basically pissing fruit leather? <laughs> oh my god! Mike yeah, needs Mike's nice still growing. Actually. He needs his Flintstones. Yeah, I need those. He needs. I'm only going to give you Barney Rubbles, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> so go on to Patreon.com/slash/RoseMortemCast oh, so we can get Flintstones vitamins, please, or whatever I hate else. Those we need. vitamins so much. Do it. <laughs> Danky Shane, everyone. So Danky. terrible.
Thank you, Shane. Patreon.com slash Rosemont of Cash to find all your favorite things where we'll get your money and we'll be able to tell you new things about the history of the world and everything about it. Ah! Thank <laughs> 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 you. Can I see that thing? Yeah. Bye. Right, bye. Bye. Before Mike gets to use it. Ain't it? Oh. Push <laughs> it. Ain't it? <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> Give us your money for free right now. <laughs> Expect nothing in return. <laughs>